0: This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. We're getting into this week's top headlines. Lawmakers continue their work on redrawing the state's election maps. Governor Chris Sununu proposed a map of his own this week. And COVID hospitalizations continue dropping here in New Hampshire. Those state officials have detected a new COVID variant. So what does that mean for the current phase of the pandemic? Here to talk about all of that and more is NHPR's health and equity reporter, Ali Pham, and our senior political reporter, Josh Rogers. Good morning to you both. Good morning, Rick. Morning, Rick. Okay, first, let's go over what's happening with the congressional district map that made news this week. The state Senate approving the House's proposal without making changes last week. But then the governor said he's not happy. He told reporters that he'd veto the map as it's drawn now. What is what doesn't he like, Josh?
1: Well, it it, it appears to be something about the smell. Um, He said it doesn't pass the smell test. And, you know, this week we got some clarity on what he means by that, which is basically he wants districts, both of New Hampshire's two congressional districts, The first, which now is the eastern part of the state, roughly, and the second, the western uh, part of the state, to be winnable by a candidate from either party. Um, He and plenty of others believe the maps Republicans in the House created and Republicans in the Senate supported without making any changes, you know, could have the potential of locking in Democratic representation in CD2. That district's now held by Annie Custer and very likely elect a Republican in District 1, which is now represented by Democrat Chris Pappas. Uh, Sununu says people don't people don't want that, that that doesn't reflect New Hampshire in his estimation. Um, you know, he's also pointed to the way the maps look. He's called them funky looking. And it's it's true that these maps do make large visual changes from what have essentially been uh, districts that have, have pretty much unchanged for more than a century. You know, the the Seacoast cities and this, uh, Seacoast cities now in the first district under the Republican maps, those would have been put in the second district to create kind of a clump of southern tier towns and CD1 under the Republican maps. So visually, it's a big change. And, and that's another problem the governor cited. Um, Republicans who like these maps, though, say that that's all immaterial and that they insist that the current maps, which were drawn by Republicans, um now have the effect of uh, of advantaging democrats and uh, and it's true that 9 out of 10 races run under the current maps have been won by a democrat uh republicans say the maps that they enacted uh were legal are uh you know you could definitely say they're quite frustrated that, that the governor won't accept them
0: yeah well funky but legal i think was what, what one term we heard so sununu submitted his own proposal josh for the congressional districts this week his own proposal but how are they different from the ones that are already pr- approved by lawmakers
1: well, the the maps would um, keep Rockingham uh, County and Stratford County cities that the Republicans wanted to move into CD two in CD one. Um, they would also place some communities now in the first district, places like Merrimack and Hooksett, towns that have historically voted Republican, but you know, arguably are less Republican than they used to be. Uh, move them from CD one to CD two. Um, I do think it's telling that I've yet to see a Republican in the State House uh, say anything positive about Sununu's proposal. Uh, A lot of them have derided it uh, off the record. agreement on this front seems, it just feels very distant at this point.
0: Okay. Well, one thing that did happen, I know the governor seems a little more supportive about a new GOP-drawn map for the state's executive council districts. And The last time we talked with you about redistricting, you had mentioned that it's really that these, these state-level maps would have the largest impact on policy decisions. What what changes would those maps make to the executive council?
1: Well, these maps um, were first aired earlier this week and and passed um, along party lines yesterday in the state senate. These maps, the biggest change would be to District Two, which is the uh, district now held by uh, Democrat Cindy Warmington. It's the it's you know sort of famously considered gerrymandered. It it sort of snakes uh, across the state uh, west east, linking uh, Democrat voting towns. Uh, under the new map passed by the Senate, uh, the district held by Warmington CD, uh, Council District 2 would reach from the southern southwestern corner of the state up through Grafton County. Um, the effect of that change would be to... Probably make her district a little bit less democratic overall, though it would still tilt that way. Certainly, it would it would it would be a big change in terms of uh, her potential reelection, a new place to run. Uh, the net effect of this, though, is it also allows some Republican incumbents to have uh, towns cut from their district that tend to vote Democrat. In District One, you know, Joe Kennedy would lose Hanover and Claremont. Uh, in District Five, where David Wheeler is is the, the sort of most senior Republican on the council, he would lose Peterborough, which tends to vote Democrat. Um, Ted Gatzis in District Four, he would lose Bow these maps were adopted along party lines and you know governor Sununu says he's fine with these
0: okay what kind of reaction though, though did you hear from from the current executive council members
1: well cindy warmington had said she had some concern she believed that the, the the map would essentially be gerrymandered and uh but you know no one had really crunched the numbers at the time when i collected the, these reactions uh republicans though, are definitely fairly satisfied from the governor on down, although David Wheeler uh, believes the maps might have done more to benefit Republicans. But I think he was glad to to shed some of the towns his district lost. Um, you know, we'll see how these play out because this this map's all but certain to become law.
0: Okay. I want to turn to Ali right now because we want to talk a little bit about COVID-19 and hospitalizations continuing to drop here in New Hampshire. Ali, what do those numbers look like right now?
2: Yeah, so this week, our official hospitalizations from the virus have been at or below 30 people. And, you know, here in New Hampshire, that's a number we really haven't seen since July. And there are still around 70 Granite Staters in hospitals across the state who are still recovering from the virus. So, you know, still significant, though, again, that number is also way down from where it was during the winter surge, where it was well over 150 um, and then, you know, if we look at community levels of the virus, which is something the CDC tracks, those had been low in all counties. But actually, yesterday evening, when the CDC updated its map, Coas, Grafton, and Sullivan counties moved to medium. So that's something to to you know keep an eye on for sure.
0: Well, I know that the state is is looking now at this new variant BA two, uh, which is a subvariant of Omicron. Does that mean that we are going to see another surge?
2: Yeah, so this is a more contagious version of Omicron. Um, and Omicron, again, is just what drove our winter surge. And the CDC estimates you know, that BA2 already accounts for over 50% of cases in the New England region. But exactly like how this variant will play out, it's a little unclear right now. I mean, some experts, like White House Chief Medical Advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci, don't think it will cause the kind of type the surges we saw with Delta and the earlier variants of, of Omicron. There's a few reasons for that. So I mean, one, this variant BA2, it doesn't cause us as severe disease as, as Delta did. And two, you know, we just got out of the Omicron surge, which infected tens of thousands of granite Staters, And so all those people are really unlikely, like, it's not likely they're going to get reinfected with this new variant so soon. And then you add in a lot of the immunity granite staters have from vaccines. And what you're left with is the vast, vast majority of the population with at least some level of immunity. Mm -hmm. And so we may definitely see an uptick in cases. But I think experts are, are hopeful that we'll see less of those severe outcomes like hospitalizations and deaths from the virus. But, you know, at the same time, we've dropped a lot of our COVID mitigation measures here in New Hampshire, and so that could definitely allow the virus to spread very easily.
0: This is Morning Edition on NHPR. We're recapping this week's news with NHPR reporters Ali Pham and Josh Rogers. If you've got questions for what's going on in the state and you want to inform our reporting, you can email us at nhpr.org. Josh, I know a committee in the New Hampshire House has been working on a plan to legalize marijuana. Now, the House has voted to legalize marijuana several times, but what does this specific plan entail?
1: Well, um, this plan would allow cannabis dispensaries in the state to be operated under the authority of the State Liquor Commission. People couldn't home grow marijuana for recreational use, but adults could have up to four ounces of cannabis under the law. I mean, basically, this is envisioning you know a number of, of retail outlets adjacent to liquor stores. Okay,
0: I know Governor Sununu has been a longtime opponent of legalization, but you reported this week he might be open to it if certain conditions were met, or, or one of those conditions going to the liquor stores.
1: Well, he liked the architecture of this proposal, which did pass the full House on a policy uh, level earlier, uh, you know, last month, I, th- I believe, by almost two to one. And so then, you know, Sununu's it, it did surprise a lot of people his openness, as given his historical opposition to to marijuana legalization, that sent the bill sent was sent to the ways and means committee for more work and you know there were there were hours of hearings trying to retool this bill how would how would this policy affect uh, therapeutic cannabis dispensaries exactly what could and couldn't be sold and you know the, one of the governor's kind of red lines here is no edibles he he very much doesn't want that he says he doesn't want revenue considerations to be driving this um those things led to some interesting discussion. I mean, the Ways and Means committees look is, they, they have to come up with revenue numbers. That's really their main job. But but there was a lot of work done on this bill in order to try to tailor it to uh, meet the governor's uh, openness. And, you know, this, this bill emerged from the committee on a party line vote with Republicans supporting Democrats saying it needed more work. And, you know, I, I think that, I think that the discussion of the Ways and Means Committee made people realize this is complicated. You know, and the governor, while he says he's open, he also said this week that you know he, he he's it's not a sure thing with him, mm-hmm. and that he and he said that he he noted that other states had, had had passed marijuana had legalized marijuana by referendum, which which I took as a single signal that he's sort of maybe backing away from this and doesn't want this to upset what he sees as New Hampshire's successful uh, uh, approach to dealing with drug misuse and abuse, and you know, getting through the Senate. It, which um, marijuana legalization has never done could also be a tall order, and it's hard to see this bill as having picked up steam via yeah. its transit through the Ways it We've Means.
0: We've talked money. about this for for years, and and you know the, the Senate has yet to pass a bill that would legalize. Is there anything to indicate that would change this year?
1: Um, hard to say. I mean, I, I think that uh, you know historically the argument has been that that you know the police chiefs, which are, who are pretty staunch. Um, have been able to be pretty persuasive to senators. Um, I'm not seeing a a, a big upswell, but I mean, it is interesting that it came out. Some of the sponsors of the initial bill in the House, I mean, it's popular in the House with bipartisan, it's coming out with a more partisan vote. Uh, We'll see. I mean, Mm -hmm. the the, the transit of this is, is odd, but it's hard to see it picking up steam.
0: Yeah. I want to turn back to you, Ali, for one more story. You spent some time this week learning about a new training for mental health workers to better care for diverse populations in New Hampshire. Can you tell me more about that?
2: Yeah, so I think this training really gets at the idea that if clinicians don't and institutions don't have the context for the populations that they're working with or an understanding of how systems of oppression may have some of their clients, they're not going to be able to provide the best quality mental health care that they could. You know, they might miss things. And so this training, it kicks off today. It's free. It's five parts and uh, up to 100 healthcare care workers and leaders can participate. Um, and they can count it towards their continuing education requirements. Folks running the training say there's going to be a lot of dialogue. And one big theme they're going to look at is how um, people's own power, privilege, and biases can impact the kind of care that they provide for patients.
0: Okay. Well, I know you'll be reporting much more on that as it goes forward. I wish we had more time to talk about that. But uh, I do want to ask you both before we do go, what else you're working on right now? What should listeners be expecting from you in the next few weeks? Ali, what about you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I'll oh, be continuing to track the kind of unwinding of a lot of um, pandemic infrastructure, which has this has been a, a big month for that. We've sure. seen, you know, testing sites close. Um, state-run vaccination sites are closing at the end of the month as well.
0: All right, we'll be watching for that, Josh. How about you?
1: Well, it is essentially molting season at the legislature where, <laughs> you know, bills yeah. start to really move back and forth between the chamber, and, you know, some things live, some things die. Um, and so I'll be, you know, paying attention to a lot of that. And uh, you know, it's almost time to to get back out and actually watch politicians running for office. We've got a lot of races coming, yeah. and so they're they're getting more active. So okay, state sport is
0: getting back into season. All right, NHPR's health and equity reporter Ali Fam, senior political reporter Josh Rogers. Thanks so much to both of you this morning. You're welcome, Rick. You can find more of their work and all of the stories we talked about this morning at NHPR.org. And, of course, if you missed any part of today's segment or you want to catch up on previous weeks, you can now find the New Hampshire News Recap wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be here next Friday as well with more top headlines. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is Morning Edition from NHPR.